Welcome to Dragon Talk! for Kate Welch. I'm Shelly Mazenoble, and I'm hosting today with the very lovely and talented Kate Welch. Woo! 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 Oh, Woo! Oh, Woo! Oh, Woo! Very lively audience. Oh, yeah, today. you guys are off the charts. Wow, I love it. So, where's Greg Tito? He's in New York at, at Toy Fair. At Toy Fair? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's work. So I know. He's allowed we to forgive. Be there. We forgive him. But, but we miss you, Greg. I believe he has to wear a suit. Are you kidding me? That's what he, I think, I think last year he had to wear a suit, and I had a really hard time picturing that. I have a hard time picturing that. Yeah. That might have been Hascon instead. But they don't do Hascon no. anymore, do they? No. It, must, it probably was Toy Fair. Fair. I think it's Toy Fair. So yeah. every time Greg's not here, he's probably in a suit. <laughs> it does sound like it. It's either at a wedding yeah. or at a convention or, where he has to look corporate. Yeah. Oh, boy. Poor oh, guy. boy. Oh, poor, poor guy. But I bet he's, I bet he's ex- doing some wheeling and dealing. I bet he is just out there telling the world how great Dandy is. Yeah, he does tend to do that. Yes. How and are he's you? good at it. I'm good. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. What are you doing? Um, I got am, something coming up soon. Yes, uh, this I, I guess by the time this releases, it will be Pax East time, and in Boston, Massachusetts, the very same Boston Whoa. that you were probably thinking of. Um, <laughs> we have the the C team is doing several shows. The Acquisitions Incorporated C several team. shows. Well, we are doing an advice panel. We do we do an advice what? panel in, okay. in character. In character, yeah. We've been doing this for the last two or three Paxes. And it's so much fun. It's just an excuse for us to get up and role play. Is it just like general advice or D&D advice? It tends to be characters from other games asking us for advice about what's happening in their game. So <laughs> it's, it's so mad I almost can't follow it. Yeah, it's what? really it's 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 a hoot. Um, and that's on Friday. We are then doing a C team game on Sunday, and I have to stress that that is going to be. Um, a heck of a game. I think. I think there's going to be there's there's some surprises that are rolling out in the next week that hopefully will have been revealed by the time this podcast comes out. But we've got some serious uh, we've got some serious cool stuff ahead. So I'm very 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 oh, excited. My God. I only know I only know a little really, um, and I, I don't I don't know how it's going to go down. But I, I I do know that this is going to be a major game. So if you haven't watched the C team, you've got you know. 48 hours to catch up, and then... <laughs> Which is totally doable. Is, For how I mean, many years like, of content? I think it was like 190 hours of content at least, so you're going to need to watch it on about 4X. Um, okay. And that's... But, <laughs> I rolled a day. I rolled a 20. <laughs> it's going to be hard to uh, digest, but... I, I went to PAX East a couple years ago, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Before I knew you. Well, dark time. It was. I wasn't. I realized now. I just wasn't happy then. But <laughs> I went to, to the Ack Inc. game. Yes, and you were a player. <gasps> oh, okay. So, do you remember? Yeah, I was at. Um, I was on stage at uh, Unplugged, and then at South. But I was not. I haven't been on stage. I'm in sorry. East. It was Unplugged. Okay. Yeah. Unplugged right. is definitely the best show. Yes, that's for, a great show for D and D. Anyway. Yep. Um, but yeah. Yes, and I, I remember seeing you there. And thinking, she's really funny. I bet one day she's going to be my friend. <laughs> You're so full of crap. <laughs> one day she's going to make me earrings and, and be then, my friend. And then she did. <laughs> she did. 
Um, but I'm so happy that you saw me on stage. Well, and then I remember shortly-ish after we interviewed you. Yes. It wasn't that long after. Yeah, gosh. April? It was something like that because there was a Make-A-Wish game. I think I came in at four. Oh, for, do you mean interviewed me for the job? Mm-hmm. No, I got the job uh, that – so at that PAX Unplugged, I knew I was in the running for the job, but I couldn't tell oh. anybody. So I had I, – You hadn't had your interview. I hadn't though. even had my interview. Yeah. Um, after Unplugged, I had my in-person interview in December. And oh, got, it was December? Yeah, and then I got hired the next day after the interview. So We really loved you. <laughs> it went really well. Do you remember what you said to me? Oh, yeah. Do you remember what I said to you? That you betrayals like your favorite game. Yep, yeah. uh, you walked in and um, someone introduced you as the head of Avalon Hill. The head, yeah. And I was like, oh, Avalon Hill betrayal is my favorite board game of all time, which is a hundred percent true, by the way. And it was just me wanting to nerd out about how much I love that game. And you were like, I like her. She's <laughs> hire her tomorrow. <laughs> I think yours was the deciding vote. I mean, obviously. Um, but then, yeah. So then I started in on February fifth, two years ago. Um, and it's been, you know. So you had an anniversary recently. I did. Oh my god! I did two years. Of Happy anniversary! Thank you. This, I mean, it's not. It's nothing compared to what? Ten years? Me? Twenty years? Keep going. Yeah. Twenty years. Yeah. Factor of ten. Oh my gosh! And have you been on D and D slash Avalon Hill the whole time? No. Where were you before? Everywhere. I, oh really? I was hired to work on Magic. Mm-hmm. Then from Magic, I went to MLB. NFL and NBA Showdown. Those were card games. We I didn't know we made yeah. those card games. Mm-hmm. What? And then I worked on Neopets. Yes. Duel Masters. Yes. Star Wars. Yes. The uh, the RPG, I think. Because there was also, a, I don't know. And then um, novels. Uh, kids' novels. That was oh, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. We had just started a, a children's book imprint. And that was delightful. And I got to spend a lot of time with librarians, <laughs> and they're Aww. lovely people. And then, and then D and D. And where in there did you write your books about D and D? Right around. So it's probably around 2006. They were like, "You have to, you have to work on D and D now." <laughs> I was like touching it with the novels, but not quite. I see. And then I was like, "Oh, D and D. Okay, I'm, I'll do it." And they were like, "You also need to learn how to play D and D." Whoa. And then I played it, and I was like, this is amazing, and I must spread the word. Good. And you wrote two books, yes. right? Yeah. And what are they called are again? Are going to interview me now? Yeah, I'm just curious. Okay. You've got a lot to do. The first one is Confessions of a Part-Time Sorceress. Excellent. And Excellent. the second one is Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Dungeons & Dragons. Wow. And those are mm. available on Amazon, right? I think I've looked them up. Yeah, I think they are. I'm not to shill for you, but I, I, mean, I, I you are so funny, and you're such a uh, a firecracker that I have to assume that those books are amazing. I haven't read them. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, they they sound really. I good. mean, amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, that's very nice. Very of you. cool. Do you want to know what else is amazing? Yes. Bookwise. Yes. Have you heard? I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of a show called Critical Role? Yes. You have? Yes. Oh, okay. That does ring a bell. So there is a new book coming out called Explorer's Guide to Wild Mountain. Yeah. And people are a little excited. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been causing some ruckus on the airwaves. So much. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to come out on March 17th. And last Ooh. week, Greg and I interviewed Mr. Matthew Mercer and that. Christopher Perkins. Yeah. So that is uh, available um, in the Dragon Talk archives the for last, you to the yeah, last, last week. So you yeah. don't even have to go back too far. But if you want to know more about that amazing book, they dig pretty deep into it. 
I haven't listened to that interview yet, but I'm actually going to. Even though I was there, by, I think I even worked on that book a little bit. It's still, I'm so excited to see how it actually turned out. In it's the pretty end. incredible. Yeah, and the art is just so good. I think they commissioned a lot of the Critical Role fan they did. artists they to illustrate it. A lot of Critical, and Devin Rue did the maps. Yeah, Devin's maps and are so beautiful. delightful, and we share a birthday, Devin and I. Oh, lucky. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's luckier. Hmm. It's just a, it's just an auspicious day. A lot of a lot of very talented people worked on that book, so yep. I have to I have to assume it's just gonna kick. Complete people are going to be very excited. Yeah, good. So that is March seventeenth. Also on March seventeenth, we have I can't I'm going to mispronounce the name. Okay. Lariel, is that her name? Lariel Silverhands. Yeah, I think Lariel. Lariel is how you say, okay. how you say it. Yeah. Lariel Silverhands Explorer's Kit, which is not related to the Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. No, but it does have. The same word in there, <laughs> and it releases on the same day. But no, not uh, not related. But it is it is dice. It is an eleven uh, dice set. Eleven dice. Eleven dice. Eleven dice. Yes. Yes. Um, but you also get these beautiful um, illustrated double sided cards detailing Lariel's expert insights on key characters, locations, and lore from across the Forgotten Realms. And you get this beautiful fold-out double-sided map of the Sword Coast (gasps) and the city of Waterdeep. Now, answer answer me this. Riddle me this, my friend. I might not be able to, but okay. Is the, uh, do you remember the Descent into Avernus box? Oh, yeah. And how it was like doubled as a dice trade? Is that true for this as well? Yes, (laughs) that is actually a good point. Yes. <laughs> See, I wasn't actually like leading into anything there. I was actually asking this question because question. I, I absolutely love that we started uh, yeah. doing that. Yeah, that, I know. Okay. And you know what? Once you start rolling dice in a in a dice tray, yeah. it's very hard to just roll on a table. Yeah, I know. You get spoiled. I, and I it's agree. like, what is it, velvet or felt yeah, or something? Yeah, I like the sound of it. Oh, Ooh, do yeah. it again. Yeah. Thump, 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 thump. You could make those ASMR ASMR videos. ASMR videos. You're not the first person to tell me that. Although when I make the mouth sounds with Greg, he does not like it. It's like if I if I start like like this, Greg, it's like nails on a chalkboard for Greg. He doesn't like it. No, but you like it, so yeah. I'm only gonna co- co-host with you. For well, me. he doesn't have to watch your videos. <laughs> no, he doesn't. So there, he might have to actually. Well, you know what else is coming out even sooner? What's that? If you can't wait. For March for great D and D products. How about February twenty eighth? Ooh, I can I could wait that long. Okay, what's coming that's out really soon? Yeah, that's like tomorrow when yeah. you're hearing this. Essentially, podcast. yeah. Um, Dungeon Mayhem Monster Madness yeah! expansion. You didn't want to do it on Leap Day. I mean, it's Chris Perkins' birthday, I and know. I just didn't want to take away from that excitement. He's turning 14. I know. I hope he has a really special birthday. <laughs> I hope so, too. Maybe he'll get a new bike or something. <laughs> How crazy. And only Chris Perkins would be. He's obviously not the only one. But, of course, Chris Perkins would be born on a leap year. It makes sense. It yeah. makes total sense. I have no data to support this, but I have to assume that everybody born on a leap year is just like a leap day, has a weird upbringing. Just because they don't have a, an actual birthday. You just feel like you're floating in between. Yeah, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd, you'd have a different experience of growing up than and most people. And I feel like you'd have to be someone like Chris Perkins to just relish that. Yeah. And just be like, I, I own this. Yeah. Have we talked about our guest? 
Can no. we talk about our guests who are interviewing on today? Yeah, no, let's talk about our very guests. Very exciting. I am very curious about Scott Sutherland, Ooh. who is a meteorologist and science writer for the Weather Network. Excellent. And he's going to be here in person, which <gasps> I love, and he's from Canada, so which means like he made a great effort to yeah, get here to us. That's nice. Our neighbor to the north. And now, weather and space, which are the topics that he writes about, are very interesting. But what does that have to do with Dungeons and Dragons? Well, he has some really creative ways on how it does have things to do with <gasps> D&D. And Ooh. he's going to help us figure out how we can incorporate both into our campaigns. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And he's also going to just talk about playing D&D for 40 years. 40 years? Mm-hmm. That's longer than I've been alive. Don't tell him. Me too. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, You're only 27, right? Yeah. Yeah. So way longer than I've been alive. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Which makes Kesha the daughter that you had when you were 11. Yeah. Right. She's also very young. She's 17. She's, yeah. <laughs> she is. So I don't know why she's singing about bottles of Jack. <laughs> she's never had them. <laughs> So um, before we do that, before mm-hmm. we have that interview, we're going to have a, a segment, a sage advice segment. <gasps> With Jeremy Greg, Crawford? Greg and Jeremy. Yay. So you do get a little bit of Tito on this episode after all. Thank goodness. And this is a fun topic. This is a good topic. Drinking at the table. Yes. The pros, the cons, when to drink, what to drink. I don't know. Do I you make people drink if, they, if their dice fall on the floor? No. Is that a rule? It is, is that- in my house. Really? We say sloppy dice, drink twice. Oh my gosh. You're not even kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, like, if Quinn and I are playing, like, a, a little kid game and he spills his dice, I'm like, go get your shot glass, honey. <laughs> this explains the drunk text that I get from your six-year-old son. <laughs> this explains them. Yes. We're playing those dice games with mom again. <laughs> okay, so let's do that segment. Let's do it. And Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. I'm Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Jeremy Crawford. Hi there. Hi, how and are you? And hello, everyone out there. You are a zombie Jeremy today, I was told. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling my secrets. Oh, yeah. It's because it's I actually worked until 2 a.m. last night. Oh, on, on some amazingly fun stuff that is going to be coming out in 24, no. 2024, that's the word I was thinking of. Uh, 2014 would be strange to go back. There's all timey-wobbly stuff happening here at the D&D office. Um, But, oddly enough, we had briefly talked about what this sage advice topic would be, and uh, we settled on the idea of adult beverages and or alcoholic (laughs) beverages, Um, not just at the table as dungeon masters and players and how much... Uh, you know, to imbibe or not imbibe at the table, um, but in game and how to have drinking contests and and how to adjudicate a character who just wants to be drinking in the tavern the entire time and those type of things. So that's what we'll be getting into in this in this year segment. And and this is not because of how much I really could use a drink right now. Hey, you and me, bro. <laughs> that's how drunk I am already, and that I said broth instead of. Bro or bro, uh, whatever. <laughs> Let's just uh, uh, get the bartender to send us a beer. Yes. And, and to be clear to all, anyone who's watching us on Twitch, this is water, I'm sad to say, in my cup. And this is coffee uh, with no vodka in it, sadly. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so, I mean, it is a tenet of 
adults who are playing Dungeons and Dragons together to, uh, you know, it's, we, we love that it is friends hanging out and many times there is a uh, not clear barrier between what is in game and what is out of game and joking around the table. There's a meta nature to that. Uh, and so uh, having some liquid lubricant to loosen up not only um, what's happening at the table and then let role playing flow, but it's just part of just friends hanging out. Well, and, and it's funny that so often when we talk about like classic parts of D&D storytelling, you know, it's the adventurers, it's the dungeons, it's the dragons, it's getting uh, treasure, it's the magic spells. But one of the most enduring tropes is people gathering in a tavern. Exactly. And what is a tavern for? Drinking. Yeah. Uh, now, in the Middle Ages, taverns were actually also essentially restaurants. Uh, so it's also for eating, for hearing news, entertainment. Meeting places. Uh, and uh, I can be, I'll be a history nerd for a moment. Uh, one of the reasons also why back then people were often going to have what we now think of as adult beverages is partly because water was often not safe to drink. That's true. <laughs> and right? so, so these, these, these uh, fermented beverages were often a, a, a safer bet. It uh, was a, a preservative in addition to an inebriant. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, the, the, the idea of a pub is a public house, which is just where everyone could congregate and adventurers would go to get their quests. And, and I, love, I love how that congregation, going back to your intro, then echoes us getting together at the game table, often in someone's house, to stel- tell stories together, often share snacks, and if, if it is in sort of the culture of a particular group, also often share adult beverages. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's basically as in, as in the story, so, so it goes in real life. Exactly, and I had an experience this week where I was playing uh, a dungeon mastering for my Waterdeep uh, Dragon Heist campaign, and I don't often drink uh, as I'm dungeon mastering because I like to uh, be able to improvise, but someone had a bottle of red wine and I couldn't resist, and uh, I really enjoyed having it be and lo and behold a we were they were in a tavern and uh, one of the NPCs had a you know kind of a drunken slur thing going on and it was really fun and I I was thinking in my head this is a topic that I'd like to kind of explore a little bit more about how it doesn't necessarily have to be a uh, a detriment or or have negative tropes associated with it it can actually improve your role play yeah yeah exactly uh n- now of course when it comes to, in real world, drinking is usually not an option if you're playing like at a convention or in a game store. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy playing at home. Exactly. Uh, and in fact, it's a part of our social ritual in my home campaign that usually at the midpoint of our three to four hour campaigns, I will, and I'm, I'm the DM, and I, I call for a break, and part of that is we usually then have drinks. Yeah, uh, top it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and uh, I can always rely on my friend Jimmy to make me a fantastic old-fashioned, uh, which sees me through uh, the rest of the session. And I, I, I can always tell they're tr- they, are, they might be getting nervous or hoping to influence me when I suddenly notice my glass has been refilled <laughs> <laughs> in the back, back part of the session. I, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Uh, but then they, you know when they want you to uh, uh, you know, fudge the, the session a little bit in their favor. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Um, but then, of course, you know, there are rules within the game about how things affect characters. Yeah. As well. So we we do not have uh, specific rules on 
like drinking or, or inebriation, but there's a ton there that you can definitely use to model that. Uh, if, you, if you want to model somebody who has really gone, you know, off the deep end and had, you know, one, two, three, ten too many drinks uh, <laughs> in their visit to the tavern, uh, the poisoned condition uh, mm. is a great way to model that. And, and, and in fact, is one of the reasons why we gave dwarves uh, their resistance to poison. Right. Uh, because dwarves uh, traditionally are uh, drinkers with great gusto, especially when it comes to ale. And we thought it would be fun if there was actually a, a characteristic of dwarves that makes it so that it's very easy for them to drink ale like water. Exactly. Yeah, that is that is a, a consistent trope through all of fantasy. You know, you see it in Lord of the Rings and, and, and throughout that... Uh, Dwarves are able to hold their liquor a little bit more, uh, but also have the bravado around it because it's, it's yeah. a cultural thing. Yep, yeah, and uh, that that sort of thinking of the the far end of drinking being yeah, poison. Poison is bad. Like, I mean, <laughs> yes. that's actually like you know, disadvantage on your rolls. Yeah, like, oof, you're going to have a headache. That is the far end of the spectrum for yes. sure. So, what is something that you're like? Okay, they're they're two they're two drinks in. They're definitely affected uh, in 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 persuasion checks or things like that. What would that be? Or seduction checks or whatever you want. So call. so. Um, in a recent session I ran, and got my sense of time is all out of whack because we're like we're at the beginning of February and I feel like this year has already been six months long. You um, are the fourth person on this very <laughs> podcast today who has said that. Uh, so it's something going on in the water yeah. here at Wizards of the Coast. So because I, th- I, I you know, said, oh, I recently did this home game. So this was back in December. <laughs> 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 Where it was uh, just last week, or uh, was it? I don't uh, know. It it and it was uh, it was a holiday themed game I did, and it because one of my players it was his first time uh, to ever play D anD. d Oh wow! Okay, I made sure there was a tavern scene, uh, and he had uh, this player Andrew had made sure his character's story actually tied to taverns. Uh, you know, his character she she tended to drink a bit too much, mm. trying to escape her dark past. So I said, okay, I'm going to incorporate this into the story. And so there was a drinking game uh, in the tavern. And what I did is I had the characters who were participating in this contest make a constitution saving throw with each round. Oh, okay. And uh, what, was the, what was the effect if they failed or saved that? So... Part of it was just to see how could they hold it down once they got far enough in and the people who could last the longest, uh, you know, made it to the final round and then, you know, to see who was victorious. Mm. Sort of like uh, the the contest at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I I immediately went to that as well. Yep. And that that was my inspiration, thinking of, you know, where Marion is – is drinking shots in her own bar uh, in that contest. And so that's what I was modeling. Like, how far can you go? Uh, before, and not pass out. Yeah, not pass out or until your, your stomach objects. <laughs> 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 and, and so that's really what I was testing. Uh, there have been other times where I've involved a drink, uh, either because the story's in like a tavern or it might be at like a big masquerade ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh, Rather than just testing to see if there's a negative effect, I've also occasionally, particularly in like parties, masquerades, that kind of thing in D&D, 
sort of counted the number of drinks to determine if the person was going to have disadvantage uh, on some of their social checks because they start slurring their speech and that kind of thing, or advantage because mm. it is actually a known phenomenon in our, in our own world that after one drink, most of us are more sociable. And what's funny, I don't know if you know this, there was this study done where people looked at a series of photographs of a particular person. Mm -hmm. And this like person without any drinks, a person with one drink, and then a person with two or more. Okay. But the person looking at the photos didn't know anything about the drinking. All they were asked is say, all right, here are three photos of the same person. In which photo do you think the person looks most attractive? And pretty consistently, the one picked was when one a person drink. has had one drink. Wow. And exactly one drink. Huh. I, was it their, their demeanor? Their yes. Anything? Like their smile on their face? Yes. So apparently many of us with just one, we relax a little bit. Uh, we, we soften, but, not, but we don't get sloppy. Right. Uh, and so, there, so it's like this sweet spot where, you know, where it is, you know, it's often referred to as sort of this social lubricant of it's easier for people to chit-chat and have a good time, but it stays in this realm of just friendly connection before you go the... Yeah, it's, it's, it's surfing. <laughs> it's like you got a yeah. crest on that wave, and as long as you're floating on that wave, you're all right. But if you go too far one way or the other... Yeah, And so that's what I have in mind when I think of the effects in game. So okay. I might say, oh, this character just finished this amazing ancient glass of mead that the elf, <laughs> that the elf queen offered at her table. And so they might now have advantage on their persuasion checks yeah. as they try to convince the courtiers of something. That makes uh, a lot of sense. But if someone has role-played that their character has overdone it a bit, well, mm. suddenly that advantage might tip over to disadvantage yeah. because their, their memory is getting impeded. They're going to be less articulate. Uh, they, uh, you know, their awareness of their surroundings might even start going down. And then until it leads all the way to, again, the poison condition where almost every check you're making uh, – uh, you're you're wrecked, yeah. <laughs> and then again, there and then depending on how much they overdid it, there might be an effect uh, the next day. Um, now, Would you I, give it exhaustion uh, as a good way to do that? That is actually a great way to do that. Uh, if you basically had somebody you know on a bender all night, uh, I I think even if they took their long rest, they might wake up with such a splitting headache that they have uh, a level of exhaustion. And I think even though. Some players might groan at that level of, uh, of uh, consequence based on their throwaway joke they did the night before. Oh, I drank 40 beers uh, and then I went to bed. You know, I think there is something to the simulation, simulationist nature that you were like, all right, well, at least I understand. Like everyone kind of feels that it just makes the, the, the world feel more real in that case. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I tend when and, – and, and by the way, I love that kind of thing because it really – even if it's a negative, it affirms – player choice. Right. It, it, it shows them their decisions really matter at the table. Yeah. Most of the time I like to uh, positively reinforce that. You know, they're rewarded but sometimes it and I think all of us if we really analyze how we've responded not only to D&D &D, but maybe video games we've played or board games, we actually kind of like that sometimes the game says, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, because partly because it shows us, oh, my choices do actually matter. The game isn't going to give me a cookie even when I'm doing the, you know, making bad decisions. Right. Uh, the game is actually going to say, okay, 
you can certainly do this, but there are going to be consequences. Everyone will remember that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a, it's a very positive thing. And it, 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 may, it makes it show that what they, it matters what they did. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Now, are, are you okay with me uh, making the conversation a little more serious? Yes. So there is, there is a dimension that I'm always conscious of with a group when it comes to whether having you know, a glass of wine or a cocktail while DMing in the real world mm-hmm. or involving alcohol in the gameplay. And that is alcoholism is a sensitive subject for some people. That's very true. Uh, because of trauma in their families. And so because of that, I, I make sure that in-game, if I'm the person describing it, it is almost always in the realm of it's just – it's social and it's light. Mm. Uh, or if, if there is a character who has really overdone it, you know, kind of the stereotypical like drunk dwarf, their behavior is only jolly. Yes. And where I'm going with that is I don't have mean drunks uh, right. show up in my games uh, unless they are like clearly the villain. Uh, you know, it's like the mean drunk hobgoblin. But even then, I wouldn't lean too much into it um, b- simply because, again, un- unless I know for sure, like I know everyone at the table and this is not going to be an issue for them, the last thing I want to do is at my game table – bring up something that like might tap into like family history or that sort of thing when really, you know, we would just want to keep it like this is fun. Uh, we're dealing with some classic tropes. Uh, so I think that's – it's always a good thing for people to be aware of that people do have different sensitivities about, about this. That's very true and, you know, it reinforces the – concept behind checking with your players and, you know, if you have a system at the table uh, similar to an X card system or something like that, that they have an out or a way to communicate to the dungeon master that even though the dungeon master might think this is a funny, you know, and everyone's enjoying it, they're laughing, that there might be some sensitivity not only to, you know, uh, uh, the sensitivity around um, alcoholism, but there's, you know, many people associate alcoholism with abuse and, and other things and even just in a tavern, you know, you might think you're realistically modeling what would happen in a tavern when there's a lot of men around women and all those things, you know, you want to make sure that you're as sensitive to those as possible. And I think your advice about keeping it uh, uh, light is sage advice. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think, I think good, a good principle in general because there are a lot of, you know, things in life that get us down and I try to not have those at the game table because, like, we're there to have a good time. Yeah. And so for me, it's like let's let's take some of these things that are in life and just focus on the fun sides of them. Or if we do focus on, like, scary sides, it's because of the fantasy narrative of we're going to face this thing and we're going to overcome it. Right. Like, that, that, should, that should always for me be the payoff. If something rough does show up, it only should be there for – the chance to then be victorious. Uh, and even then, I try to avoid things that are, you know, uh, going to make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why to go back to the fun side of drinking, whether in the real world or in your story, I try to, to focus on the delightful part of human culture uh, that drinking has played uh, for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, that... In so many cultures, and I'm glad this was something that uh, my dad really introduced me to this concept when I was growing up, that uh, 
drinking is not about getting drunk. Uh, it's about the flavor. It's about how it pairs with your food. Uh, it's about the family coming together. Uh, it meant that as, even as a teenager, I was completely baffled when I found out that uh, like other teenagers were going off and getting drunk because I associated having a glass of wine with dinner with my dad. <laughs> yeah, right? So, it's like, what's the point about this? So, yeah. so you know, because so he had a kind of very, like, this is a very kind of European perspective right. of it's just, like, it's something you do with your family. Table wine. Yeah. 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 And exactly. so, so for me, that's much more the kind of perspective I'm coming at it from and try, that's sort of where I try to locate it in the game where uh, it's much more about you know, the elves wanting you to sample this, you know, almost like ambrosia-like liquid that they have been, they have been creating, you know, it might have been in that bottle for a thousand years uh, and you're getting to taste something that, you know, is, is older than many of, like if you're playing a human character, like older than many of the buildings in, you know, your, your character's hometown right. uh, is, is this little, you know, this drop of mead that the, the elves give you or the amazing ale that the dwarves bring up from the depths of the mountains or that strange mushroom concoction that the gnome might, might bring for you to sample. Uh, yeah. I, I love that you gave those illustrative examples because that was something I was going to uh, uh, comment on is that it doesn't necessarily have to be the ale and the, and the, and the wine and things that we are associated with in our cultures. It's a great way to introduce things that aren't even liquid, you know, that yes. are inebriants that people do socially. Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone from the astral plane uh, might ha- have something that's completely different. Like, oh, did you get the dream of those mind flayers? That was really crazy, that dream. And, I, you know, and then it can feel like... Um, uh, something that you can introduce different flavors. Yeah, yeah. And because I think the more you lean into the fantasy, yeah. you bring it back to why we're often at the table to play D&D. Because uh, you know, not only do we love weaving our stories together, but it's specifically fantasy stories, that, that hint of magic, that going to worlds that we can't go to uh, in our everyday life, uh, meeting peoples who you know are completely you know made up and have lifespans that are unimaginable for us. That to me is where it gets really neat. It can get funny. It can get fascinating. Uh, where even the, you know, discovering where did that strange elixir uh, that you know these ancient Aladrins serve? Like where did it come and why from? Why was it so valuable? Yes, yeah, right. And yeah. then it can be uh, a big part of that, right? Yeah. Um, one final thing about safety, just since you mentioned it, as far as uh, relationships goes and sensitivity, you know, many people travel by car to a D and D session, <laughs> yes. uh, especially if it's at this home game where people yes. are drinking. Yep. So, you know, it is something that is not to be taken lightly to uh, imbibe while you're playing and to make sure there's a way for all the players at the table to get home safely. Uh, agreed. And pair it with food. Good uh, call. Yes. Uh, like Cheetos, w- I think, are good. Uh, <laughs> pairing with red wine. <laughs> Don't Cheetos go with everything? They really do. Uh, yeah. No, because I, I, you know, I, we always, we have snacks. Uh, yeah, and also with, with my home game, uh, a number of us actually go out to dinner together afterward. Oh, that's smart. Uh, because, again, going back to the sort of the good lesson that uh, my dad taught me growing up is that uh, 
booze goes with food, uh, yeah. which also is just a great way to make sure you don't end up having a headache the next day. Absolutely. Uh, and drink plenty of water. Excellent. All right, so we're going to get plenty of water. We're going to get dinner after this, but then we're going to get soused. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it is Friday after It is all. Friday. <laughs> it's been the longest week ever. <laughs> I know. I think this week alone has been six months long. Starting on Monday, I was like, man, that was like four months this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, like, do we get like a summer break I know. <laughs> this weekend? I'll, like, see, I'll see you in a couple months. I'm gearing towards it for sure. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for talking through this topic. It's not one uh, that I think we anticipated, but it ended up being a really good one. So yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you, uh, perhaps through social media, to ask you what your favorite drink is? Uh, people can ask me what my favorite drink is on Twitter at Jeremy E. Crawford. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you so much for Sage Advice, and we'll be back with some more fun stuff coming up soon. Well, that was interesting. That was. Now I know how to drink at the table. Now I do too. And guess what? What? I've been doing it wrong, so clearly (laughs) I need more practice. (laughs) With all those pro tips from Jeremy Crawford, I mean, practice practice Um, does make perfect. Makes perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for enlightening us. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Greg. Do you want to do a fun interview now? Yes, I'm I would love to do a very fun excited to yes. talk to Scott Sutherland. Me too. Shall we bring him on in? Let's bring him on in. All right. The middle seat has been filled by Scott Sutherland. Yay! All the way from Canada. Where, yeah. in, Ca- where in Canada? Uh, Hamilton specifically, but Toronto area. Toronto oh, that's area. Very oh, that's nice. a long, a long flight. That it you was made. a long flight. Yeah. Oh, thanks, okay though. Thanks for coming but out. Thanks for coming I the way out. I could not resist this. Excellent. That was a, stay at home and and freeze my butt off and just Skype in or fly to Seattle. Yeah. To visit Wizards of the Coast headquarters. Right. And talk to Kate. And Shelly? I know. I How mean, can I not do that? I know. We ask, we ask ourselves that? that same question all the time. Now, How come people yeah. aren't just here all the time just, just to talk to, to you and me? I don't know. Oh, I'll do it. Um, but I can say no. this to you, and it's not just small talk, but... How about our weather? Yeah. Seattle's pretty, got yeah. some good weather right it's now. It's pretty yes. nice right now. 10 from... degrees Celsius warmer than I'm getting in Toronto. And nice. is it sunny in Toronto? Mm, yeah, it doesn't have much of an effect. Did you hear that the sun came out this week for the first time after like 88 days or something? I did hear that. That Whoa. was, that's depressing. Yeah, a little bit. But is it, do you mm. look, hear that statistic and go, oh, those poor people of Seattle? Or do you go, well, that's fascinating from a weather meteorologist so perspective. let's back up a Both? second. Yeah, I want to, we're not just talking about the weather to fill time. Scott, yeah. will right. you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Yes, yes. Uh, I'm Scott Sutherland. I'm a meteorologist and science writer from the Weather Network in Canada. Uh, That's basically the Canadian version of your weather channel here. And uh, for the last five and a half years or so, I've been just exclusively nerding out on the internet about science and weather and space and astronomy and getting paid for it. Nice. That's amazing. I've said many times that besides being an RPG writer, this is probably the best job there ever is. Whatever could be. Why do you like it so much? The nerding part. Mm. I'm a nerd. I've been a nerd for decades. And this gets me into a position where I can just express that however much I want, all the time. And I just want to share the amazing 
world of science with everybody and show how everybody, like, look how cool this is. Look how cool this is. Nice. Oh, have you seen the Beetlejuice and the, the <laughs> weather? And Love that, that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, was, know, I know you're talking about the star. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Both. Both. Little joke. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, um, and you get to obviously be talking to people who appreciate that, that knowledge, such as yeah. Kate's father. Who is also Ooh. a meteorologist. Yes, my father. Cool. Yeah, he, he uh, went to school. He graduated UCLA for meteorology. And then nice. he did it for the Air Force and the National Guard. Yep. Then he became a pilot. But then he, um, he, he taught astronauts to fly the space shuttle for many years. That is awesome. Yeah, so very much a crossover here. Yeah. So I told, I said earlier on the on the stream that I'm going to try to channel my inner dad today sure. to ask yeah. to ask questions because yeah. um, the the <laughs> the way you channel Des Welch, my father, is you uh, lean back, and you cross your legs, <laughs> and you scratch the back of your head, yeah. oh. and then you ask smart questions. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm most gonna of try that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of smart questions. Yes. I have a lot of questions about weather. Can sure. I ask you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even please. if they're not really about Why am I here? Otherwise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I will do it fast, I promise. Okay. Okay. What is the difference between partly cloudy and partly sunny? That's a good question. Ooh. Thank you. Uh, the partly part means that that's the least uh, happening thing. So if it's partly sunny, it's technically mostly cloudy. Oh. And if it's partly cloudy, it's technically mostly sunny. Oh and I think God. it's just based on who you're talking to or what their emphasis is. Is it like a glass or, half full? Like, yeah, Do you want to like say, like, partly sunny sounds better than mostly cloudy? Yeah, kind of. Okay. I mean, in some places they favor one towards the other or maybe, I don't know, if, if it's like you're on the cusp of a large weather system and it's moving in towards you and it's going to get progressively more cloudy, you might sort of t- emphasize the cloudy part. Oh, like manage expectations. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That makes so, sense. But it's a, it's a flavor thing. It's like a choice that you make. Are sunbreaks yeah. a thing or just in Seattle? Sunbreaks. Like, su- like sunny it? breaks? We just like They sun- say like, oh, the weather today, blah, blah, blah. With sunbreaks. With possible sunbreaks. Yeah. Oh. I think that's a Seattle thing. I mean, oh. it happens everywhere. We're so desperate. We're just like, but oh, my God, the, the sun's going to break through. We, yeah. we have a yeah. word for it. We have a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, always wondered if that was like a I've a heard of sunny or- breaks. But yeah, like it. Uh, yeah, we cloudy do, with sunny breaks. We do rush outside to look at the sun when it appears. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, eighty. You said eighty-eight days. Eighty-eight days of oh, clouds. I, yeah, I, I couldn't. This take has that. been a kind of a bad winter. Yeah, we we had a we had a dark one. But I mean, I, last week I was well. Actually, yesterday I was dressed in like a big red parka and gloves and hat and boots and everything, and I walked here in a t-shirt with a little, you know. Yeah, short sleeve button shirt on over top and no jacket and mm. and you were here in Seattle in that parka yesterday. No, no, oh, I was that was home. Uh, at home. Yeah, so because yeah. you, you think it's warm here, yeah. but it's still pretty chilly. But it is, yeah, it's yeah. okay. It's refreshing. It is refreshing. Can I ask a question? Now? Yes, yeah. please. Is it true that we still don't really understand lightning? Uh, for the most part, yes, but wow. but there are a lot of new clues. About how it happens. Really? So we have the they have the basic idea. Okay. But they're never sure exactly if they're one hundred percent correct. Okay. That's the that's the thing. God. So I, so sort of, sort of yes, that's right. That we still don't know, 
but we're like mm, 85, 90% sure gotcha. that, that we know what's happened. Okay, yeah. okay. And the part that we don't know is we just don't know what causes it necessarily? Yeah, it's like we, we, we know the mechanisms in the cloud that would cause the charge distribution of like negative at the top and uh, negative at the bottom, positive in the middle, that right. you would have, the, or sorry, the, I reversed that, negative in the middle, positive on the top and the bottom, that you would have the charge exchange to get the spark, right. but you don't, we, they don't know how the spark happens because air resistance is far too high. Okay. And so one thing I've learned just in the past couple of years is that lightning discharges might be caused by cosmic ray particles. What? From space. What? Yeah. Blowing your mind. Yeah. What? Wait a minute. Say that again. <laughs> there's... I'm gonna pay attention so, this time. <laughs> so there's, so the, yeah, I know. I, I, some, I know that people tune out when I Not when me. I get going. But um, so a cosmic ray particle is uh, is a particle that gets shot out by the sun or from a star far distance from us, and it, and it makes it here, ex, you know, extra solar and so forth. But um, it's just a really powerful energetic particle, like a proton or an electron or a neutron or something like that, and it slams into the atmosphere. And there's millions of these things that hit the hit the planet every day. We just don't notice them because they're, they're tiny and they don't impart a lot of energy, but they're charged particles. So they have a plot of silver minus. And, and so when this streaks through a cloud, it's kind of like it creates a, like a... Do you have the HOV lanes here? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like it, it creates an HOV lane through the cloud oh. of, of lower resistance. And so the lightning channel follows <gasps> that to discharge all that built-up extra charge. So that's cloud. why it's like... A lightning storm in like a, a centralized area. Yeah. So the storm happens and then it's one, you know, like it doesn't always happen, but there's all these little particles coming through. And then those cause like they'll hit a molecule and it'll cause a shower of, of more charged particles. And then you'll get some of those will pick up and they think now, at least some do, that that will allow the charge to have an easier path through the air. So then you can get the... The, the stroke to the ground and then the return stroke that's really bright and then boom. How do they test that theory? Uh, they don't really. Okay. I mean, it's uh, having a detector sure. near, cl- near clouds to see if there's some sort of uh, correlation between what are they detecting with the cosmic ray showers and, and the lightning strikes. Would but, you see more radiation or something? Um, not really. Okay. You would just see more of those particles. Like if you go okay, to some places it. like okay. a science center or something like that, they'll have these like liquid baths yeah. and then you'll see little bright streaks go through them oh and those are supposed to be cosmic ray particle oh. interactions with the oh, water or the, cool. with the fluid right and um so that's what they think it's it's just a mechanism that they think might cause it okay um but that again they're not quite sure because wow. it, and it's, it's going to be a mystery because it's hard to go inside a cloud to see what's happening there so that's very true yeah so this is a question that my husband bart wanted to ask. Right. He said, I've always heard, or I, mean, I think he learned it from like Wait, Trivia do Pursuit. A, do a Bart impression. I've always heard. Oh, that's really good. That's not Bart. Now I feel bad. <laughs> but I'm going to still ask it in that voice. He said that he heard that knights yeah. used to get struck by lightning all the time. Is that true? Uh, I'm like, I don't know if Guy he's riding that around is. in all metal armor in above, a lightning above, storm? above everyone else sitting yeah. on a horse? Yeah. It's quite possible. I mean, if anybody's going to get struck on that field, it's going to be the guy that's dressed in full armor, full right. metal armor, higher than anybody else on the field. So yeah, I haven't heard of that specifically, but I would not be surprised at all if that was something that 
more I than mean, one night got taken down now, from a clap of, th- of lightning from the sky. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some uh, D&D characters wear armor. Yeah, That's I was going to say, beware you paladins out there. Yeah. Don't, don't piss mm. off the Tempest Priest. So... It could happen to you. Yeah. Ma- Majesty C2K1 in the chat says, keep your lances low. There you oh, go. Oh, I one. like it. Nice. Okay, I have nice. so, many, so many more questions. I know. I know you just did a beautiful transition to talking about no, cause D&D I, weather. I, didn't, I wanted to say that, but I also didn't want to transition quite Okay, yet. yeah, I have a <laughs> no, lot no. more. <laughs> Please. Are there, so speaking of the knights getting struck by lightning, yeah. are there people in the meteorology field who are experts at medieval weather? Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. Um, there has to be. There has to be, right? There has to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any personally, but okay. I, if, if there's not, I'm going to go be one right now because that's something you're, that you're there it. should be. I mean, that, yeah. Okay. Next question. Yeah. What is your favorite extreme weather phenomenon? Oh, I, I like know that. this is tough. This is a tough one. It's lightning. Yeah. Oh. I have to, yeah. It, that's Lightning's so always, cool. always. It is really cool. That, so cool. I, can, I can confidently say that just from being a kid, I was always excited about lightning storms. You know, a little bit, a little bit of scary. Oh yeah, kind of they have thing. just oh, yeah. the right am- amount of scare to them. Beautiful at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I they, I used to live in North Carolina. We got them all the time. Yeah. W- when I moved here, one of the things that I was told was like, we just never get thunderstorms. We might get one a year, but yeah. lately, well, mm. that was one of our questions we wanted to ask you. Oh, we've been we had some more. Like we had a huge, huge one back in like October. Yeah, and I totally missed it because I was. It a speakeasy, mm. and all the windows were blacked out, and I literally had no idea that storm was happening, and I'm still <laughs> really sad that I missed it. That's oh. like the most Shelly story yeah. I've ever it heard. It says a lot. But <laughs> yeah. and like Bart was texting me. He was like, can you believe it? I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. Why is the dog freaking? I don't know, because I'm not there. It must be. But yeah, wow. why all of a sudden is Seattle getting thunder and lightning? That's really interesting. Um it could be due to the fact that there's uh, there's there's a weird sort of weather ocean interaction over the north eastern pacific so off the coast of uh, british columbia and alaska called the blob i've heard of the I've blob, heard of the blob. Yeah. it's like yeah. a hot water yeah. a hotter water hotter blob water, right yeah. yeah so all like it the, all the jet stream is sort of rocketing up over alaska uh-huh. and it's causing this sort of I'm not like a dead zone, but there's this area of that part of the ocean that just doesn't get a lot of uh, wind activity, and that just lets the heat build up and up and up as the sun, you know, sunlight is being absorbed, and um, it's 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 recurrent, so it keeps happening every year, or well, sometimes it it doesn't. That the I think last year maybe or the year before it wasn't around, but it keeps coming back, and it may be that the Given the fact that that warm blob of air is there, that may be translating more warm air to here over the coast, and then you would get the better conditions for lightning storms because you need that source of heat. Wow. As well as the cold together. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but the, and the blob is a uh, product of climate change? Is that um, safe to say, or is it just a phenomenon? It, it could be. It could be one of the signs. Uh, it's just that, that if... if the jet stream going up t- to Alaska is part of the, the climate change, then yes. Okay. And that the, the leading opinions are that, yeah, that, that is probable. That, gotcha. Uh, because the Arctic is warming faster than everywhere, it's causing that sh- jet stream to loop a lot more far, far, farther and farther south. So, you know, when Atlanta gets hit by ice storms, that's not normal. That's, no. that, that shouldn't really be happening right. on that kind of basis. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, but getting more warm air... Um, coming up from you know 
California and so forth into this area as well. We, we cause that to happen getting, because um, all you need is for a thunderstorm really is a warm air uh, bumping up against cold air. Right. And then the cold air forces the warm air up really quickly. Right. And that builds your really big cloud, causes all the charge, you know, all the rubbing air molecules together, causes charge exchange, and then you get the charge distribution, and then you get lightning. And then the, the cosmic rays are in there somewhere? The, the cosmic rays are in there somewhere. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, now we can transition. I'm I, done with I mean, my I, weather questions. I know. I still have okay. I still have some. But um, well, let's transition. Okay. And then we can just, we can talk after. Yeah, yeah there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we should start with, because you have a long history with um, role-playing games. Yeah. So how did you get into role-playing games? Um, it was it was a friend of mine in, in elementary school, uh, like grade seven, I think, grade six or seven, that introduced me to it because his older brother had a set. He had the original, or the not the original brown-boxed sets that they came out with in the 74 or something, but it was the um, the Holmes edition oh. where it's the, the blue box, blue and white with the dragon, or sorry, actually that was the book. The, the cover was the, the nice pencil crayon colored one of the red dragons sitting on the the hoard of treasure with the nice. the armor uh, plate mail armor warrior with the the bow and the wizard with the little pointy dunsk looking hat <laughs> right. with his wand and uh yeah we we played the heck out of that wow that was uh that was a good year or so and then the the, the hardcover books came out for AD&D mm-hmm. and that was all we snatched those up like the moment they hit the shelf i don't think they they were, had any opportunity to actually touch <laughs> touch the shelf before they oh my, we just got that in and How, then you know was that also around seventh grade uh yeah yeah okay and then um I was just every time a new edition came out switch oh yeah switch oh update you just, advance keep going you know and then you um, and the same friend um no actually uh stopped playing with him in high school just uh, you know went our separate ways but got into a di- different groups um. Then uh, played second edition, got into third. That was mostly online gaming, yeah. like uh, play by post, yeah, and, and, and such for third yes. edition. And then my wife and I moved to Atlanta, uh-huh. so she could work for the Weather Channel there. Cool. Oh. And I, I did some air she, quality is she forecasting. Also, what does she do? She She's, is also a I mean, meteorologist. Oh my god, that's yeah. romantic. Is that how yeah. you met? Yeah, we met in class. We met in uh, university. Oh. We were in all the same Weather classes. Nerds. For our meteorology degrees, oh. and then by the, the the it was actually the day after we finished our final exam of our final year, we got married. Did you propose by being like, "You will you tell me whether or not you would like oh. to marry?" Oh, I should have done that. You might have to renew your vows now. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. I think she's watching right now. And I can imagine she's probably shaking her head going, don't, don't do that. But, no, I but, but do I, not mean, do that. I might have to anyway. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, I got a fist bump. Yes! Yes, that, that was, was good. very good. Um, so yeah. here's a question. Yeah. Over the years, you have, it sounds like you've been in a variety of different groups and you've yeah. played a, a, a bunch of different ways. One of the obstacles that I hear frequently from people is that they just don't know how to find a group of people to play with. Right. Do you have advice, given all your experience? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, let's see, in... When we moved to Atlanta, that was it was tough to find people, but all I did was go on to um, meetup.com. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I found groups there. Like, it was actually, it wasn't groups necessarily. It was the, okay, we're all the D&D players in the Atlanta area. We're going to meet up at this restaurant, and you can, anybody can come, and anybody can hang out for as long as you want. You don't need to buy anything or anything. You just come and say hi. And so I figured, 
I'm not doing anything else. I'm not authorized to work yet, so I'll just hang out with them and see what goes on. And uh, I got into, um, let's see now, it was uh, three different groups from that, plus my own. And um, I started running the... um, the uh, the organized play in uh, yeah, in the game yeah, stores yeah. Totally. Um, oh, no in way. fourth edition uh, in a, in, a, in a store D&D in North Encounters? Atlanta. And yes, I was trying to remember. And yeah. yeah, but D and D Encounters, which was really cool. I really liked those. Yeah, a that lot. was great. And I, I once had twelve people at my table. Holy crap! Until the next week, we went. Okay, we have another module here. Like, yeah. yeah, Split off. Split Somebody else. Who wants else to DM? Because yeah. I was whoa. That's way too many people. Twelve people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but finding resources like that, um, going to your local game store now, because a lot of them have, um, organized play set up already and they have schedules and it's a hard schedule and anybody can show up at any time to play. And, uh, from there it was finding people who were hanging out there to play with. Cause I got into those, those different groups. The three of them were the, the hardcore we played every week and it was, um, some of the best friends I have now. We're found with it, just playing third edition and fourth edition and doing That's a little fifth edition playtesting. Oh, with you them. were part and of the playtest? Yeah. Um, uh, the friend of mine, uh, Craig Campbell, if he happens to be listening, um, he, uh, um, Node, Node, knew. It's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, it's Canadian. It's Canadian. Yeah. Adjust to Americans, Scott. Adjust to Americans. Um, he, he knew several people who worked for Wizards of the Coast at the time. Oh, cool. And so he had the sort of inroad for that, but, uh, but he ran awesome campaigns like he he'd been playing since the old days in wisconsin um with like uh uh, rob schwab and chris sims and um, and all those guys so um amazing campaigns really fun and we branched out from there into different ones um but that's i think the most concentrated gaming i've ever done for for dnd going all the way back even like in the old old days it was uh like a lot of pickup games and stuff so we were playing two, maybe three times a week, but it wasn't anything organized and there wasn't anything planned for it. It wasn't a campaign that you could advance and continue. It was just like, eh, okay, I'm, I'll make another character, I guess, and run a random thing. So, but, but that was like, like the best time, finding those people at that time and running all those games. And then I had like, I've had a seven-year drought since oh, I no. moved back to Canada. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, no! Because the friends I used to play with have lives. And oh, they, yeah. yeah. That's I've, the hardest part is playing with people who are ballers, who have lives, yeah. who have kids, you know, all, yeah. of, all of these things take time. So, uh, but yeah, um, that's that's the best thing right now is that the internet is, I mean, when back in the old days, I mean, it was it was a crapshoot. I mean, you know, maybe you might find somebody at school, or yeah, high school. or really. We had a games club in my high school, which was interesting because it was a Catholic school. Oh. So we, we kind of were hidden and and oh. you know, tucked away, tucked, tucked shame, away, the shame room, the shame room, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but um, yeah, yeah, um, but use the internet. I mean, yeah. that's that's your resource right there. Totally. To find a meetup com, meetup dot com is great, um, and and yes, your local game store. Find those stores and, and check them out because they'll have the resources for you. That's good advice. Yeah. Now it says here. He has even worked on writing projects with oh. the legendary Gary Guy guys. Yeah, yeah, what? Yes. Please tell us that story. Yeah. Um, so uh, towards my the end of my three point five uh, days, um, I, I've had this yearning for being back in the first edition basic gaming kind of realm, and so I had started up looking out this uh, this forum called Dragon's Foot. Okay. Which is all based, it's all grognard, uh, old school, <laughs> you know, uh, gamers. 
And uh, as I was posting on there and interacting with the other uh, members, I noticed that several of the old TSR uh, designers were there. Wow. So Len Lakofka and Gary Gygax and, and all the Errol Otis and all these guys, they were all there. on the forum? Yeah. That's what? crazy. And I was like, that's crazy. I would not have thought that they would be that. I mean, sure, I'm savvy. I'm 50 years old and I'm savvy about the internet, but that's, that, I didn't think that they would have migrated on there yeah. that much. But uh, just one day I saw Gary... Gygax himself had posted something, and I was like, "Oh, I got to read this. I don't know what he's. <laughs> I don't know what he's. Don't know what he's saying, but I got to read this." So I click on it, and he had written a book called. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. Now. It was for Castles and Crusades, and it was the Igsburg City source book. Okay. And it was just it was a thick hardcover book that was about this city and the surrounding area, and he was looking for designers to to be uh, partitioned off and to do separate sections of the city right. and develop them into their own source books. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, well, uh, why not? And then what kind of opportunity am I ever going to have to do this again? So I threw my hat in the ring and I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a sort of a writer, you know, more blogging than anything else, but I, I'm totally willing to take it on if you've, you know, on a trial basis or something like that. And he went, nah, here you go. Wow. Uh, you can have the lowest... The, the low, lower, lower class area of the city is called, um, called the, 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 the Dargs. That was it. Um, you know, outer, outer part of the wall area where, you know, all the little back alleys and stuff. And you can uh, give you a contract and we'll, um, we'll give you deadlines and stuff. And I broke several of those, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but, um, it happens. Yeah, and it, it, unfortunately, it never got published because he passed away oh, no. um, while it was in the editing process. And then the, oh, the, no. the whole project stalled. Oh, no. um, but uh, but I, I I didn't get a chance to meet him. But just being able to email back and forth yeah, with him cool. and get interaction with him and just like a few personal talks of being frustrated with writer's block and that sort of thing. Yeah. He talked. Me, he, did he give you advice on that? Uh, he talked me few. He talked to me through it a bit. Where he was just sort of like, um, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. Uh, you, okay, uh, fine, fine. The dead week. The deadline's next week. Just don't worry about it. We'll, we'll put it off till uh, whatever uh, two week, two months from now. That's yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm in the I'm totally busy with like five other things right now. So, if even if you give me the the manuscript next week, I'm not going to get to it for until after that at the very least. So yeah, yeah, just just take the extra time. Just relax. You're, you're, you're okay. You're good. Uh, I, I trust you. You, you. You know, I'm I'm sure that you. you if you were going to bail on me, you would have done it months ago. So I'm sure you're doing good work and so forth, and just we'll just wow. handle it as we go. And I'm like, wow, that's really, I mean, uh, okay, I love this guy. Yeah. I never met him, but I mean, that's, that's really cool that he could say something like that. So uh, did he give you feedback on the work that you did see? Um, I, I don't think he ever got to see it. Okay. Oh, um, right. it, was, it went into the editor's process, and that was mostly the, the, the Troll Lords games um, editors and designers, so uh, I don't think he saw it, but it, he may have. I mean, it did get sent directly to him, so he could have I easily bet, I, he's, I bet he did. It. I bet yeah. he so, I wonder how much unpublished manuscript I know. he was sitting on. I can only away. imagine. Yeah, it yeah. seems like, I, I know they went through for the Art and Arcana book, which I'm sure you've seen. Oh, yeah, they I got, have that. They got, oh, it's it's beautiful isn't book. it amazing? Oh, it's so good. Beautiful. Um, but but I, I think that they got a lot of access to Gary Gygax's like archives yeah, in order probably. to get like original maps uh, and writings. Yeah, so I would imagine so. Wow. There must be so much that hasn't been published yeah. um, based entirely on this story. If he was already working on five other projects and yeah. was super busy, what else yeah. What else is missing? Yeah, you know? exactly. Ooh. So, yeah. Do you but still yeah, have it? 
uh, I, st- yeah, I still have it. Still, I still have the copy of that oh, I submitted. Cool. And I, w- I was even starting on another project that he was having me do because um, he had come up with uh, a totally separate, uh, just out of out of the blue, uh, he asked me, do you want to try this other module that I'm just thinking of designing? It was something with Greek mythology. Cool. Oh, um, that would be cool. Where it would be like the characters would transport into this small sort of uh, sub-realm that was all, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the um, Shakespeare play, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream? Sure, yeah, yeah like the Fey- um, Feywild type so, thing. Yeah, sort of yeah. thing. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually, exactly like the Feywild. We didn't call it that then at the time, but uh, that was pretty much it. And cool. I was actually starting to get involved in that, and that's when everything kind of stalled. And it's like, But uh, yeah, I still have all the reference material. Oh, man. I ca- saved all the emails from him. <gasps> oh, yeah. So I was, uh, you know, when you I purged my emails, I always like archive. click those off. I'm not getting rid of those. No, well, you gotta, um, you should consider publishing this stuff in the DMs Guild. Yeah. Like original collaborated with Gary Gygax stuff. I certainly yeah. would love to read this material. So, yeah. what do I you mean, think of it now? Like with all your years of experience oh. under your belt, when when you look at what you submitted, are you like, oh, uh, that's damn good? No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you said no creative ever. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. I mean, I I look back at some of the stuff I've re- written before um, for the 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 critical hits. Um, pod or not podcast? Uh, they were the blog blogging group. Yeah, a few years back, I, I did write a guest post for sh- um, for Sarah Dark Magic oh, on, yeah. on on oh, yeah. on using weather in your game, and I, I re- just read that and I cringe. Really? I, I, I've I've developed so far, and I'm, I don't even consider myself a good writer in general. Most people they they come up, oh your your articles are so clear and concise Aww, and great, and I'm like, good. I I don't believe you, but that's fine. I'm, I'm, that's that's. But thank you. That's good. It's a yeah, you're a true, as long as true I, as long as they're yeah. enjoying it. Yes, exactly. That's then you're doing great. it. Have no, you ever met Luke Gygax? No, no. I want I want to meet at least him. Like I, I keep meaning to try to get to um, Gary Con. Uh, Gary Con. Yeah, you and, should go. I've heard yeah. great things. I've never been to Gary Con either. I went last I'm, year. Is it is it amazing? It sounds yep. like it would be I think a great it would blow time. your mind. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's on the list. Yeah. And Luke is just a pure delight. He's a sweetie pie. That's great. I like that guy. Very cool. Um, so tell us, yeah. w- how does one incorporate weather mm-hmm. into one's Dungeons & Dragons campaign in a meaningful way? Okay. Um, well, there's a, f- there's a few ways you can do it, actually. Um, I mean, you can randomly roll. The, the DM's Guide has tables for that. And, and I will admit that, that a few results take some ex- explanation. Um, like you would... It, uh, you wouldn't have heavy precipitation with um, whatever temperature change with zero wind, with no wind. Right. That wouldn't happen. So you'd have to try to explain oh. how, does, how do you get that? Because in normal meteorological processes, you wouldn't see that. There would always be light or strong winds when you get heavy precipitation. What? True? And, yeah. So having it be just like dead calm and pouring rain, there would be some, you'd have to come up with something. So the only things I could think of at the time were that it's not rain, it's fog. So you have heavy, like, like oh, yeah, dense, yeah. dense fog um, to get the effect that, for that. But right. if otherwise, you'd have to try to explain it. Um, what's happening? Is there something weird going on yeah, right. in the magical realm? Yeah, this realm? seems like this could be a cool story. Yes. That's true. Where's the wind? Exactly. Yeah. The wind has been captured. <laughs> yes. They stole the wind. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Chat, 
Go for it. Come up with an adventure for that. I mean, come on. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, a fist bump for that oh, one, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's awesome. So do you, when you incorporate weather into your campaigns, um, or it sounds like you're you're in a drought, no pun intended, for, yeah. for Dungeons & Dragons, but um, when you would do it, did it have different mechanical implications or anything? Did you did you do weather-based campaigns? Uh, I did once. Um, I We had started up a, um, a group of us. I come up with a campaign world that we were going to try to do organize some sort of organized play in which never never took off but um i was using that for my adventures for the campaign that i started and the um the city the ruined city that was nearby where the players were were adventuring or the characters were adventuring had a perpetual storm raging above the core of the city cool i like that and so eventually when they're really high level they could probably delve into that and see why that's happening because nobody knows why it's happening like delve into the storm delve into the storm literally oh yeah nice so that was you know spoiler uh but (laughs) um but that would have that would have been something where i was going to try to come up with like you actually go into the storm to see what's going on there like why is that there and why has it been raging for 150 200 years and so forth if this is going to be part of your campaign then i imagine when the players are creating characters they're going to have to be equipped a certain with like you, I don't feel like just like my no. my regular D and D characters delving into a storm. Well, they would they would they would work their way up to that. I mean, that would be like fifteenth level or something like that. like really high level to get into that sort of thing, or maybe tenth level at the, uh, at the least. I wouldn't uh, spring that on them, but I did when they were fourth level have a tornado come through yes. their the, one of their uh, combat areas that they were they were fighting some hobgoblins. I want to say. Um, I sort of set it up where I had a little bit of 3D terrain set up where there was like a bridge over a river and they were guarding it because it was their te- the entrance to their territory of that city. And as they, the players were fighting them, uh, they could see just starting out in the first couple of rounds of combat that that's, that, that twister's getting really, really close to us. <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? Nice. And then... Third round or so, I take this giant, um, I, I can't remember what it's called now, it's a Thunder Blast Cyclone miniature, and I went, boom, and I plant, put it in oh, the corner, no. and I went, Amazing. and every time I got to a new round, I roll a d6, yeah. and it, like, it shifts you know, two squares oh, that way, cool. and then two, sh- two squares the other way, and it would go randomly back and forth and back and forth, oh, and then like that. it was fourth edition D&D, and I had set that up as um, concentric ranges of different effects, so okay. if you were like, 10 to 8 squares away, it would be a slide. And you, you oh. might, it wouldn't take any damage yet, but there's that, that wind shift. And so it doesn't like necessarily draw you in. Your mini. It just shifts, yeah, it shifts okay. you to the side. Got it. As around, and that could like mix up the uh, and it was, there was a save against it, of course. Is this your it. cyclone right here? Well, this is like a cyclone. This is a, what is this called now? This is the Shard Storm Vortex. Ooh-hoo-hoo. I have a bunch of these on my desk at work. That's amazing. And, um, <laughs> So, uh, but I, but I would, I had the big one, and then if you got it within range of it, it would, it would start to be. Then it does damage. So like uh, seven to five squares away, it would, do, it would do some damage to you and shift you even further, and then even closer, it would do even more damage. And each one of them had like a name to it. So it was like a microburst was oh, was the one cool. attack, and then the, um, 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 debris. I think I can't remember something had to do with debris, like debris ball or something like that, where. Yes. Some of the stuff f- being flung around, the wood and the bricks and so forth that are concentrated in it would come along and smash into you yeah. and, and it possibly knock you down and so forth. And I think the most that happened was, I think, uh, one 
player and one hobgoblin got dumped in the river. <laughs> and so the player had to had to try to recover out of that. Yes. One hobgoblin got sucked up into the tornado and got oh, flung no. off in a random direction. Nice. And then it, it, it and it carved a huge, you know, ruin through the center of the, the combat zone and everybody managed to get out of the way of it. Wow. And and it went kept going. And I was like, well that that could have gone a lot worse. Yes. That could have gone a lot better, but that That's was really cool. Amazing. That's so cool that you designed essentially a legendary monster with yeah. like layer effects yeah. for this thing. Yeah, yeah. And that it, is uh, so cool. And it, it, it had it had hit points because if you used <laughs> you could attack the tornado. Yeah, if, if you used if you used like force damage <gasps> to, to to push it or yeah. or move oh, it, yeah. you could you could shift the actual vortex <sighs> of the thing what? back and forth. Did or, any players try that? No, I oh, was hoping. Bummer. Oh, I was bummer. hoping. Um, but the other one was cold. If you oh. hit it with a blast of cold, you could like at least knock it out just for that little bit. Like it would delay it for like two rounds. Like it would disperse, yeah. And you would still see up above them, oh my God. swirling and swirling, and then it would go, and, and then is, it would keep going. Is but. that meteorologically sound? Like if you if you threw some cold magic at a tornado, would it actually disperse for a second? In real life, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I gotta that, know. That's the thing. Is that uh, from what I've read about tornadoes, um, if if yeah, if the the whole reason that it's there is it's absorbing. Um, Warm air from below, and then rain-soaked air from the side that gets you to that gets you to oh. that funnel. So, if you can disrupt one of those two, right, you can at least temporarily cut off the tornado at the base of it. But the whole the dynamics going on in the cloud would would maintain it. Right. So it would. So there are things going on even at the surface in normal life where a, a wind gust comes through and disrupts that little um, uptake of warm air at the base. And it will disrupt it just for a bit, and so you'll see disper- disperse, and then it'll reform, oh, and then it'll man. keep going and stuff. And so the, it's all these little things that I thought, you know, I got to think about, you know, what, what do I have in my textbooks that I could apply to this yes. and see what, what you can do? Yes. So, but, um, you've had far- a couple characters that you've kind of played with that have a, a, a weather bent to them, right? Yeah, well, I wanted to um, play a storm Sorcerer, yes. which I thought was really cool. Yes. I, I have the character in D and D Beyond right now, Excellent. but I, I haven't been able to play it yet. And I wanted, and somebody that I know said, "You, you have to play a Tempest cleric." And I went, "Yeah, yeah that's cool." Wait, <laughs> what? Why are all the Tempest gods evil? <laughs> no, Aww. I don't want to be evil. Well, you don't have to uh, be. You could be a good leaning servant of an evil god. I think. Um. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think that there's merit to that one. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'll have to try something like that. Like I, I look at like. You know, watching uh, Avengers, um, where Thor gets the the uh, the axe, Stormbreaker, right? And he comes out of the portal and he jumps up in the air, and all the lightning gathers yes. around him, and he slams it down, yes. and it destroys everybody around him. I'm like, I have to do uh, that yeah. in D and D. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, okay, so yeah, that that's got to happen at some point. That I might be to. a little bit of a homebrew. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Tempest cleric. Tempest you, could, you, you could probably pull that move off yeah. as a Tempest cleric yeah. for sure. But I was thinking like that the way he the the hammer always makes me think of a paladin. Yeah. Um, but but clerics wield hammers too. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I think Tempest cleric like a like a battle hungry Tempest cleric might be right up your alley. There you go. And or the, either that or like uh, Wizard of the Coast should come up with the Wilderness Survival Guide and create more storm based <laughs> characters. Well, maybe Clearly. you should create. Ooh. Yeah, really. This is oh, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Put it on DM's Guild, man. I'll go yeah. home. Right, I'll go home. This weekend and do that, yeah. So the tornado, go, go back to the tornado. The tornado, if, yeah. Did it affect, um, like, how the characters were able to cast spells or... 
do anything because yeah, I imagine uh, like it's real windy and your arrows aren't going to go where you think they are. Yeah, yeah. Arranged attacks were much more difficult. Um, it was partial concealment Ooh, yeah. as well. So um, if you got the closer you got, the more debris and the more oh, haze yeah, yeah. and the more rain and so forth there was. So yeah, there's all these uh, secondary effects that uh, that come into the the whole combat where like okay, I can't see that guy. I can't see him. Well, I can see him. He's right next to me. That's fine. But the wind is blowing us both in the same direction. And what's going to happen? And it, it was uh, it introduced a level of chaos. Yes, to the, to the combat so that I really fun. liked, which I love, and I like yeah. the idea of like the rolling of the dice to see where it's going to go next. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. Yeah. But I also, it's kind of cool to think that this tornado, when it's over, it now has impacts on like the terrain. Like yeah. you've changed. You could possibly be changing the landscape of yep. where you once were. So yeah, because it tore. Tore apart a building before it even reached them. That's oh. what got. That's when I'm like, "What happened over there? Oh my God! Look at the thing that's coming at us! Oh, yes. And do we run? Do we stick it out? We're fighting these hobgoblins. What's going to happen? And yeah, it was. It was pretty. Uh, they were pretty tense for for a little while. They're like, "Oh, what's going to happen? Oh!" That's and so then cool. when they when it finally left, they were just so relieved that it hadn't gone much worse. Because yes. like, what are you planning here, Scott? What's <laughs> going on? Yeah. And like, I told you, I was threatening that I was going to introduce weather into my campaign. <laughs> They've got to expect that. Oh, I mean, boy, you watch out. And then, you would yeah. think so, yeah. So that was fun. Do you uh, that have was other, really fun. other ways that you've, you've brought weather into your campaign? Um, not specifically, but uh, what, what I remember most is like when, they, when it wasn't introduced, like there was no weather in the campaign. Um, well, oh, actually, once, I, uh, very, very early on, this was during those pickup games in the late 70s, early 80s I was playing, and um, we, we were, I was trying, I was going to run the group through the uh, caverns of um, Quasquaton, um, the, the original uh, basic D&D adventure module, and um, my hook for it was, okay, well, it's pouring rain, and it's nighttime, and you're trying to find a place to stay in for the night or whatever, and... I didn't think about who was playing. One of the, the one of the players had taken his character that he I didn't really realize or forgot at the time that was a, he was almost a demigod, and he was just in the process of working his way up as a fifth level magic user. But he had tenth level fighter and ninth level druid Whoa. and all these things. And so he goes, I use control weather and I make the rain go away. <gasps> right. Oh, buzzkill. Well, yeah. And I went. Well, there's a cave there. And then, oh, okay, let's go in the cave. Then, 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 yeah. So it wasn't that big of a deal, and but it was still like, oh, come on. Chase them out of the cave. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was you know, it, it just, it, I guess it showed me at the time that, well, A, players are going to do things that you don't expect, mm -hmm. but um, they're going to eventually be able to control the weather mm -hmm. in your campaign. So um, be careful what you do with the weather because they might get ideas and then... You've written like a three-session yeah. campaign arc that's just about this one weather system, Damn. and they're just, they blast yeah. it. And you're like, it's oh, gone. man, mm. I guess there's a cave. That's got to wear off yeah. eventually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just yeah, keep making more sure. weather patterns pop up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but um, one of the things, uh, like for for the random stuff, though, um, I'm personally not too fond of random weather. I put that in air quotes. Um, I like like weather is chaotic. Weather is not random; it's chaotic. Oh. Um, so it does follow rules, and it does. It, it, it doesn't. You wouldn't go from like really, really cold blizzard conditions to a warm, sunny, sunny day, and that could happen with the dice. So, sure. yeah. um, progressive weather is a good way of putting it, maybe, where things progress at a, at a reasonable rate. But um, one of the the resources that I've used most often, I think, for using weather in a game is real 
weather just in our world. Oh. So the National Weather Service here in the United States does a very nice thing, and they keep archives. Ah. And so you can just pick a spot, like say, okay, my, my D&D group adventures in a place that's similar to Seattle in, geogra- in geography. So I'm going to look up the weather, arc- the weather on, uh, I'll pick 1994. Why not? Sure. Random year. Just find that, right, that part of the year that, you, that you're currently in, the summer, winter, whatever. Just pick a day. And just start and just go, okay, today it's cloudy. Tomorrow it's cloudy. <laughs> Next day it's cloudy. No, yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding. Awesome. I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, <laughs> some, yeah. You're really good at this. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and then, but just take a look at it and see what happens and then note the exceptional things. Mm. So you don't have to, you don't have to tell your players every, every gaming session, it's 74 degrees out and it's partly cloudy and, you know, things like that. Just all you have to do is just look and say, you know, it's warm and it's, you know, or it's mild and it's cloudy for a week and a half. And then, okay, then something happens. And then you can introduce these things as you go on where, eh, you know, it's not much of a deal. Just like the way we do it in real life. You, you know, you might look at your phone to see what the weather's going to be like, but you really only tend to need to really change your habits for very specific events. So while they're traveling, you go, okay, well, it's going to take two weeks for you to get to the capital city. And mm-hmm. then in that two weeks whoa, did you get drenched? Yeah, you know? And then you yeah. can play it up. And, um, but one of the things I really like, uh, and I've seen um, Matt Mercer do this in Critical Role, is I think he just makes it up as he goes along. But he has enough of a handle on the weather that, that he just sort of, he makes it very consistent and very real sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they teleport onto the top of a mountain. Well, what's going on there? It's a blizzard. Right. Whoops. You know, yeah. and then, um, or they see thunderstorms in the distance and that, that roll through over the night. And I'm like, he's experienced that at some point. I mean, For you, sure. you got to think that, that, that he's just sat through storms going by like that. And it adds so much to yeah. uh, the ambiance, too. Yeah, to know. I've, yeah. I very rarely have ever had a dungeon master who tells me what the weather is, you yeah. know, unless it's something they're, they're trying to herald. You know, there's a, there's yeah. a storm coming, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but it, it, <laughs> as, as you, I, I think, um, the, a piece of DM advice I read once was to try to describe something in uh, in the, the way that it smells or the way that it tastes yeah. um, so that people can really start to believe that it's a real thing. Yes. And, and weather yeah. has a smell. Oh, you know? yeah. And, and rain. You can, yeah, oh, the yeah. smell of rain yeah. coming, you just know. Yeah. Um, and the, the smell of, um, of, of like water on rocks but that, have, that has just evaporated. You yep. know, the, those kinds of things. People know exactly what that's like and yeah. it just adds detail to a campaign yeah. that... Realism. That, yeah, that, yeah, that, that yeah. makes true memories happen in your brain, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, that, that's, that's the main thing is that it's like if you want to draw your players in a bit more, bringing weather in for that sort of thing can, can just, I don't know, yeah, make it gel a bit more. Yeah. Um, then you have to kind of think, how would my character respond to that? I know. That's what I'm you thinking know? about. Because I've just like playing, like, have I ever asked about the weather? Has a, a dungeon master ever told me? But just thinking about, like, if, it, if you're somewhere and it had just rained, like, it could be slippery terrain. Like, yeah. the, the rocks yeah. could be wet. So yep. now you have to be thoughtful about exactly. how your character is going to move through that. Or if you want an encounter idea for anybody listening out there. If, um, <laughs> yes. I do, I do. How about... How about some goblins or some hobgoblins or some orcs who have a member of their tribe who has the call weather? Ooh. Or, or um, 
or control, not control weather, uh, call lightning, call lightning spell. That's go. the one. Yeah. And then uh, they've decided that, hey, we know that this area, the plains that we live in, get thunderstorms rolling through in the summer. So let's follow a thunderstorm. And if it intersects a town or a caravan or something, then we, then we pounce right. and we get yeah. them and we use that power to, to augment our abilities of taking that over. And then the players happen to be hired to find these oh. storm, hunt, storm hunters. Ooh, oh, I like yeah. that. Storm, um, storm chasers. Storm chasers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all seen Twister. Exactly. God, I love Twister. And, uh, and yeah, and find them and, and defeat them. And, like, we'll find out, well, like, how, how the heck are they doing this? Because mm-hmm. nobody does that. But then, right. yeah, just, just having a spark of, like, yeah. You know, every time we've attacked these people and we had the storm going on above our heads, it's gone a lot better than it usually right. has. So, yeah, if we just sort of trek along with these things or just lie and wait and go, oh, there is that storm coming, oh, uh-huh. cool, and then, you know, use it to their advantage, then, you know, uh, then you have to, you wonder. I mean, it's fine they have call lightning and that does augment their power, but then what happens when it's, the ground is drenched? Ooh, and yeah. what, what, what does that become for difficult terrain? Yeah. Uh, and, and then what if it's um, near winter and it's a sleet storm instead? Right. And it's yeah. freezing yeah. rain and it becomes icy on the ground. And what does that do? And just having the rain itself, that's concealment. Yeah. Uh, the winds, the gusts and, the, and so forth would make, uh, make it more difficult, maybe give you disadvantage on, the, on ranged attacks. I ha- so, there's, a, there's an element of uh, weather that is really good in Breath of the Wild. Have you played any Breath of the Wild? No, no, I haven't. The Zelda game on Switch. It's super, (gasps) super, super, super good. And as a weather nerd, I think you'd really appreciate what they do. Cool. Because um, it's the first game I think I've ever played where extreme weather conditions drastically affect your gameplay. Really? So if you go up too high and you're not wearing cold, cold weather gear, you're uh, going to freeze and yeah. your health is going to start going down. Same thing for oh, heat. Oh, interesting. But my favorite bit wow. is, and something that never occurred to me to work into a D&D campaign, but now I'm totally going to do it, <sighs> is that when a thunderstorm starts, yeah. if you're wearing or holding anything metallic, mm. you're going to get electrocuted. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're going to be like, like one the of the knights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Keep yep. your lances low, <laughs> but people. Dude, keep them low. Um, but yep. the idea of of working that into a campaign of like, hey, what are you? What's uh, what weapon are you going to use on this hobgoblin oh, that's calling yeah. the lightning? Yeah. You know, you and then yep. and then whoop. Would you just some lightning make damage. them yep. get struck, yep. or would you roll to see if the lightning? Oh, struck I would. On? I would roll. Yeah, yeah. But it would be like it strikes very close to you. Yeah. Yep. Remind me what weapon you like. Really try to yep. hint to them like yep. your metal weapon is yeah. what's causing the problem. But that 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 can make it very scary to to like attract. Like, how am I yes. attracting lightning? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's all these little things that. Uh, but yeah. Um. So like real weather, real life weather, and uh, is is like probably the best. Just sort of the guide of what to look at, and maybe you can advance from there to doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Or if you're gonna roll randomly. That's that's cool. I just roll like a bunch, roll like two weeks in advance, <laughs> just so just so you can see what's going to happen. Oh, if, I thought you meant in real life. You're like, oh. roll it two weeks in advance and then really think about it. Yeah, I really think. About <laughs> it. Really, really get that Spend weather. The next yeah, two yeah. weeks thinking. Down. Research your weather. Yes. Yeah, feel the weather. Um, <laughs> Embody just, it. Yeah, exactly. And but just knowing like like maybe a little bit about how weather works. Like I have a, I have a YouTube series called Weatherwise, <gasps> and uh, the first season is all about. The very core of uh, what is temperature and what is pressure oh, and cool. what are weather oh, fronts and stuff like that. that, and you can you can watch that. And I'm doing uh, second season. I, I, I've had a little bit of a break because of technical difficulties, but uh, the I'm doing extreme weather or severe weather. So uh, I talk about how does a little puffy cloud become a giant thunderstorm, and, and how does that generate lightning, and how does that generate hail, 
and now I'm on to tornadoes. Oh, yeah. Hail would be another good one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to think that maybe season three of your show should be, here's how you use weather, different weather situations in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, like there a you five, go. Yeah. five, ten minute yeah. videos. Like, here's how you use a tornado. Here's how you use a snowstorm. Yeah, yeah Here's totally. how you, you use, like, humidity to, to really, like, rust out the armor and yeah. make it, like, if you really want to play, like, one of those crunchy mechanical breathe. games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, think about, uh, think about adventuring in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. Wearing full plate full, armor. Full right. plate? No, thank you. No, that's, that would be just awful. Yeah. Like, and then, then, like, and you got to think about what happens in a, in a rainforest, where a tropical rainforest, where it's like you wake up and it's hot and it's humid, and it's hot and it's humid until like two o'clock, and then it pours rain. It just <laughs> pours. Yes. So that you may as well just hunker down and not move because you're not you don't see anything around you because it's raining so hard, and maybe half an hour, an hour, an hour later. That's a half an hour, an hour of heavy, drenching rain. Mm-hmm. Then it goes away, and it's hot and humid again. Mm-hmm. And now you're soaked. Just, yeah, and you're <laughs> soaked. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Just, just think of what that feels like. That's just, oh, it's so gross. It's got to be at least a level of exhaustion right yeah, there, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's, it, there's your realism for, yeah. for, for, totally. for adventuring in a, in a weather, weather, an active weather D&D campaign. I, I like this it. very much. Yeah. I love the idea of, like, the story being like something's wrong with the weather, yeah, like yeah. It, so then you can just keep changing yep. it up. Like yep. all of a sudden, like now it is hailing and yeah. now it's snowing, but now it's hot and humid again. Like what's going on? And like yep. just keep working that stuff into yeah, yeah. the game, especially like would, if you've already been doing a, a pretty consistent. Like let's say you're, you've got an ongoing campaign and you have been pretty factual about your weather, yeah. the way that Scott has been, like you know, research right. places that are similar, and then suddenly. The weather goes crazy. Yeah. Suddenly, it's defying all the rules yep. that you've taught your players, all the all the rules they know about weather. Yep. But w- like you're saying, a random re- weather table—it's like suddenly a blizzard. No, that doesn't make any sense unless a wizard did it. That's right. Yes. Right. Yep. You know, and so you can start to actually play with that, and then have a weather-based campaign where you just yeah. you just hit them with everything. Yes, that'd be so much. Fun. And then they have to find I out like it. what's what's de- what's behind that. Like yeah, where, yeah. who who could yeah. be doing that? Where and would, then how? Where would you? Okay. What? Just one more question. Yeah. Uh, what, <laughs> what? If you were an evil weather sorcerer, mm. where would you have a hideout? Ooh, good one. Um, <laughs> Look, I want to know. Yeah. Um, I would. I would probably be somewhere on the open plains, like in the Midwest. Okay. So you get those nice tornadic thunderstorms Ooh, in, the, really in the springtime. Off that energy. Yeah. Yeah. Or. Um, Oh, where would it be another good place? Um, somewhere where there's where there's lakes around, so you get the lake effect. Ooh, oh, yeah. so you get yeah. lake effect because there's a there's a there's a line through the Great Lakes that runs through southern southwestern Ontario, where all the all the convergence from the different lake breezes all hit each other and then cause all the air to go shooting upward. Right, and that can kick off thunderstorms and make thunderstorms into tornadic thunderstorms <sighs> because of that. Just all it is is just all the you know the ground is warmer than the water, and so right. the the air flows from the water onto the land, and you, they just the way the lakes are arrayed, you get this this line through the province where all those those winds meet, and then that that can kick off storms, oh, and so yeah. somewhere like that, yeah, where you know that something's going on, yeah. But like I would stay away from like the lee of the mountains, yeah, because the- that's like going to be a suppressive, uh, you know, weather's not going to happen there. Oh. really. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, but even someplace like on the on the 
windward side of the mountain. So you get a lot of rain, yeah. stuff like that, so okay. up in the mountain. Okay, yeah. all yeah, right. Yeah. So you would you would go to a place where the weather uh, forces were the strongest? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. absolutely. Cool. So those, those would be the answer. best places. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Yep. So I, I did want to ask, though, about your um, being an avid Lego builder. Oh, yeah. And oh. are you watching that show, Lego, I Lego have, Masters? I, I keep missing it. Is there, a reality, is there a reality yeah. show about Lego Will now? Arnett yeah. hosts it. Are you serious? So it's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Lego Masters? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think Wednesday you can nights. watch it on, on Hulu or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah. I, I keep meaning to, so i got to go back and watch all the, all the past episodes. It's really it good. It looks really nice. Like, my desk is just strewn with Lego. I, like, all these... It's mostly space models. Yeah. Like, uh, the um, NASA... There aren't a lot of models for NASA projects, but uh, I have the ones that... They have out so the lunar lander mm-hmm. and the Saturn V yep, rocket and the we've got those at home too. Oh, cool! <laughs> and the space the space station that just came oh, out. We are going to get the oh, space yeah. station, but we haven't gotten it yet. It's nice. Yeah. Oh wow! But then I've like okay, well, there's not a model for the Juno probe around Jupiter, so I'll make it myself. Oh, and see, you'd be so good you do on custom builds. Yes, and oh, uh, so I've got, got like Juno, and I've got uh, I actually have. This is the total weather nerd here. Is that I have a Lego model of a of the open plain of, of uh, a small town and all the, the, the little fields all around it and stuff, and there's a giant uh, supercell thunderstorm <laughs> that has a tornado and a whole what? rain column. Shut up. Uh, Out of Lego? Oh, yeah. It's all made from Lego. I feel yeah. like you could be a real contender on yeah. this show. Uh, oh, it might be time. The thing is that I, I take so much time to work all these things out and stuff. Yeah. I couldn't do they it on the time pressure give, with well, them. Well, they you, give you, you like 11 so. hours. Oh, oh they, they do. do. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a long time. Oh, okay. That they're there. So, mm. um, well, you've and well you've done then. some D and D pieces with Lego. True. Um, let's see. Have I done any D and D pieces with Lego? Bob, I Uh yeah. Oh, that I wasn't Lego t- though. That oh, was. Oh, that wasn't. I made that with cardboard. What? With, uh-huh. with cardstock. Oh, you you are a, a cardstock master. Yeah, as well? yeah. Um, uh, that was my friend, my friend um, Craig Campbell, who okay. he he wrote the updated um, uh, Baba Yaga's hut module. Oh, cool. And so when we were playtesting it, I said, well, I happen to be making all these cardstock uh, 3D uh, terrain pieces and stuff like that. Why don't I make one? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, we'll see what we can do and stuff like that. And then it took me a week to, to work it all out and stuff, print out the pieces and stuff. But it stood upright on the legs. Oh, my God. Wow. And then it That's had amazing. the backwards, you know, chicken legs. And the, the feet were, were, like, just printed on the base of the miniature. Amazing. In, in quotes, miniature. It was a cardboard piece. But then it had the, you know, raised up and so forth. It didn't, like, lower down like it's supposed to. And it didn't, you know, it wasn't that sort of thing. Well, but then I don't want to hear about it. No. Not cool no. anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's amazing. No, what are you talking about? Yeah, that That's was really, so cool. that was very cool. And the, the, I think the plans are still online in PDF form in my, on my blog. So, All right. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Your, your blogs are once dash a dash gamer dot blogspot dot com yeah. and always dash a dash gamer dot blogspot dot com. That's right. Yeah. What are the differences between those two? Um, I think once a gamer was me talking about me starting out as a gamer and being an attention deficit gamer. Uh, I didn't realize that I was a attention deficit till like two thousand and nine. So I was like forty years old when right. I figured it out. But right. um, but all the all the while I had been putting up with this. But gaming was a huge benefit for me. For that, I mean, I, I could have gotten into some really bad stuff. I could have, uh, you know, I wouldn't have the job I have now, the focus I have now, 
if I hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons because it kept me, you know, clean and straight and, mm -hmm. and nice. And, and, you know, my mother did, still didn't like it, of course, but sure. I still, but it was, do. no, they never do. But I was, that, that's what I focused on. But, um, you know, it tore myself away to do my classwork and, and things to get, to get through. <laughs> um, but, um, but it was uh, it, th just knowing that, but that's, it's part of that. I wrote it, uh, a few blog posts on being attention deficit gamer. Um, cool. and, and some of the early adventures that I had, the early characters I had and the early modules that yeah. I went through and then worked my way up to the, the, the th three and a half edition, uh, game that we were in just doing sort of like a, um, almost like a journal entries for my character at the time. Awesome. And then always a gamer. Uh, I don't remember exactly what I started out with that one for, but then I migrated into being, I, um, I wanted to make miniatures. And so um, I was playing, running the Gamma World, the fourth edition Gamma World game, which I had so I much fun Gamma with. I love Gamma World. That's been my, one of my favorites right from like 1982 or whatever, or no, no, before that, 78 or something, when the first box set came out. Yeah. I was obsessed with that game. Didn't play it as much as I wanted to, but when I was running it, there, you don't have a lot of miniatures for like bat batters and and all these different uh, mutant monsters and right. stuff. So I would uh, cut up other miniatures and and make oh, make them out of that. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, um, of course. And, and then like mold things out of clay and and things like that. And so there was some of that. And we were running a, an Astral Pirates game in fourth edition at the time. And so I made the tiles, custom tiles for the different levels of the ship. Very cool. And then I made Baba Yaga's hut. Nice. And um, there was another one I made. I think I can't remember what it is now. But uh, but I was making walls to go along with the official tiles and things like that. Like, it was just sort of like, this is my creative process, you know, so keeping cool. myself focused on what I want to do and, and, you know, writing it down so that, okay, I want to make this this project. So it's out there in the public now, Scott. Yeah. Don't give up on it because yeah. people might be watching, but probably not. Then, <laughs> so, but uh, but it was a place to, for me to keep my thoughts organized on what I wanted to do with, right. uh, with being creative in the game and stuff. And uh, like I said, it, when I look back on it now, I mean that that was a lot of it was me writing just what I was thinking at the time. So it is a lot more like what I write now. Like I just. I really geek out about the science, and that's how I write my my articles. They're not they're not a, really technical. Right. I try to keep them as as less uh, low technical as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, those were really fun to write in that, and I, I left those off uh, quite a while ago. But there's a lot of material on there. Yeah, there's still a look good at. content, and, and we'll uh, include links to all of those in the show notes. So don't feel like well, you have to pull over right now and no, write no, this no, down. No, 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 <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't you will have. But yeah, the, you will have access to all that. But that was really. Uh, those were fun to write. I like those. Yeah, it sounds like there's some good content. It sounds like you have yeah. a lot of good creative outlets. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm, the, the drought is over now from my D&D &D gaming. Oh, good. Oh, so good. Uh, uh, yeah. fr some friends of ours uh, started up a campaign a few weeks back, and so my wife and I are playing oh, together in a game, which is, uh, which is good, finally. What are you playing? Uh, I'm a, a human cleric of Tyr in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Uh, and we're uh, it's the tomb, tomb of Annihilation. Oh yeah, that game. So yeah. brutal. Oh, and yeah. uh, so cause my my wife came up with her character, which uh, she's a gnome paladin. Okay. Uh, Dex based, which was uh, kind of mm. neat to make. Yeah. And um, she had come up with this backstory that she ended up in the area from being really far away because she um, what was it now? Uh, she's the granddaughter of a gnome tutor of a human family. In, oh. in in Am, I think it was, yeah. and um, so she used to hang out with the the son of that family, and the son 
became a cleric of Tyr, and while she was at the ceremony for him being inducted into the religion, she had a vision to become a paladin of Tyr. Oh, wow. And then I was like, I should play the cleric. Yeah, you should. I should play the cleric. Oh, I love yeah. that. And then we can play off each other. That'd be cool. Because then she's like, she's not so knowledgeable about the religion. And so she'll misquote the, that was one of the background <laughs> uh, entries where you misquote the sacred texts and so forth. And she thought, that's, some, that's, that's amazing. Funny. I got to do that. So yeah. she'll misquote it and I'll go, oh, actually, it doesn't say yeah. that. It says this oh, instead. That's adorable. But yeah, I love it. So uh, we're going to have that's a lot a of fun with idea. that. That's a great idea. That is really cool. Yeah, I love gonna, it. I love it in games when people kind of have a, like a pre-existing history together. Yep. Yeah. It really helps you get into character really fast. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We're playing again next week, I think. So Nice. Good, well, good stuff. Yeah. Um, you are fascinating. This has oh, all been... This has been really fun. Thank really you. fun and inspiring. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm Scott, W-X underscore T-W-N on Twitter. Okay. Um, I think I'm just scott.r.sutherland on Instagram. Okay. Uh, I don't post there very often, but I'm doing so more now than before. And my articles are on theweathernetwork.com, mm-hmm. uh, mostly under the um, space, space category, category yeah. and some under weather and cool. climate. Cool. Um, I'm not even too sure exactly what the site looks like to people who go there from the United States. Oh, I just was on there earlier and it's beautiful. Perfect. I saw your your article about weather on Pluto. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that cool? It's very cool. (laughs) That blew my mind when they wrote, when when I found out about that. That was amazing. Yeah, everybody (laughs) gotta go read about that. Go read about Pluto weather. It's so cool. It's amazing. You can use it in your D&D campaign. That's right. When yeah. it's really cold. Yep. Planetary weather. That's right. Really cold. That would probably be spell jammer. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> there you go, right there. Just well, to, it wouldn't be a it. dragon talk yeah, if we didn't talk about spell jammer. Yeah. <laughs> Get people all riled up about it. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being thank here. You, thank Coming you. Coming all the this way from awesome. Canada. This is really oh, cool. I, yeah. This, uh, yeah, I could not pass this up. This yeah. is amazing. Meeting awesome. both of you. This has been great. I watched... I've been watching for months now, so it's like I'm getting to meet you both. This is really great. And I'm, I'm just a little sad that Greg's not here, but... I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, next sorry. time. Next yeah, time. next time. Next yeah. time. All right. Well, yeah. we will be sure to help people find you. We'll, like I said, all of this information will be in the show notes. Yeah. And then people can follow you and follow your writing and use weather. Yes. In their D&D campaign. Weather. Please weather. do. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Whoa! That was really mind blown. Seriously, mind blowing. And I think that uh, the the kinds of ways that he's figured out how to use what he loves in Dungeons and Dragons is really inspiring. And I'm glad he shared it with us. Me too. And now we know all the secrets. I love how passionate he is Me about too. what he does. Yeah. And that now you've got some really good uh, dinner time conversation nuggets to share with your dad. That's right. My my sweet nerdy father. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna he's gonna love me finally. Um, so I, I have I have been harboring all all those weather questions. So yes. I'm glad that he answered those for me because I've just don't you just wonder how <laughs> often do you get to just sit down with a meteorologist? So yeah, I'm I thought, sorry. I thought you were going to stump him, but well, he knew exactly. I'm sorry, what I derailed yeah. the entire interview. It's okay. Well, part of it. Yeah, I had right. to know. That's all right. So <laughs> anyway, um, if you listeners have enjoyed this interview and any Dragon Talk interview, we encourage you to share it. And you know that you can do that straight from your mobile device. How? If you're on an iOS and you're, you're listening to the podcast, yeah. 
you, there's three little dots at the yes. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just press One, those, two, three. and it's okay. a share, and it's share. just like, poof, okay. it just happens. Nice. We would love you to do that. That's a wonderful way to share. And I know you can do it on an Android as well, but okay. I don't have an Android, so I can't tell you how to do it. I think it's similar. But I'm fairly certain that Android users will figure it out. Yeah, Android users, we're brainy. Yep. Oh, you're one of them. Oh, I'm one of them. Yeah, so you can figure that out. I'm sure there's dots. Be like Kate, find the dots, and share. Share. For the podcast, I'm grimacing into the camera. Share, share the dragon <laughs> talk. Um, what else am I supposed to remind people of? Sharing is caring. Uh, you're wearing a pink D&D shirt. I got a pink D&D shirt. I think if you want some cool new D&D shirts, don't forget to check out the, the D&D storefront on Amazon. Amazon.com slash D&D. Did we talk about the cool new pop vinyl? If you're going to Emerald City Comic Con and mm-hmm. you want a limited edition gelatinous cube, the uh, cutest thing figure, ever, yes. you do want it because yes. it's adorable. Yes. Um, make sure that you, if you're going to the convention, stop by their booth. Try to get in on that lottery and get in there and get one. If you're not going to the show because it's in Seattle and not everybody comes to Seattle, then um, check the Funko's website and you should be able to find instructions on how to still purchase one through GameStop. GameStop's website, Either right? online yeah. or in-store or both. I don't know for sure, but they do. March 12th through 15th is yes. the window yep. that, that so this keep, will be available. Keep checking. And it's so cute. It's really cute. It's so cute. And in the meantime, you can play um, Dungeon Mayhem Monster Madness and play with Blorp, the gelatinous <gasps> yeah. cube. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think we're off to PAX East for, I'm with you. Off to PAX East, yeah. Okay. I'm so excited, and I hope I hope to see you all there. Anybody who who spots me in Boston, flag me down, say hi. Let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons. I love it. Oh, that's real sweet. Yeah, I know. Well, safe travels, my friend. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for being here. Here I go. Yeah. <laughs> and off she goes. <laughs> that Kate. Bye, Kate. <laughs> we love her. Bye. And goodbye to I'm all of out the you. Airplane. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.